What's up, everybody? This is Chef Marcus Samuelson with my dear friend Jason Timbuktu Diakite, and you're listening to This Moment. It's Black History Month, and we're celebrating that with different narratives of black excellence. And this week, it's Super Bowl week, which is a huge deal, of course, uh, not just here in the States, but, you know, all over the world. It's going to be Super Bowl parties, although it's football, American football, which is basically just played here, but I know people's going to watch the halftime show, people's going to watch the game and talk about it. So for that, we want to invite somebody that not only been to the Super Bowl, but actually won it twice, Justin Tuck, the New York Giant legend that now actually works at Goldman Sachs and is super successful there as well. But not only that, he's a great, great guy and started in Alabama from some humble beginnings. We're going to talk about Super Bowl week. We're going to get into it a little bit about NFL and equality. If you see injustices, then you should be the first person to start thinking about how can I be additive in changing this? Might be something small, but think about it, right? Think about one million small acts and the impact that can have on whatever it is that we're talking about that's going to help move the needle. Check it out. This is This Moment. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We go and get the big all-star here, big all-star. Justin Tuck, welcome to uh, this moment. How are you? What's going on, Marcus? How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. So, you know, you know I didn't grow up here. So American football <laughs> is something that I don't know. That's why I say all-star when I mean all-pro, and that's why I have it all mixed up. You've been in the game from almost every aspect. Like, when, when did you start playing football? How old were you? How did you get into it? Yeah. Well, I grew up in Alabama, man, so football was like the – it was a religion, to be honest with you. So I've been playing football ever since I probably could walk, but never really played organized football until, like, ninth grade. Mm. And, and most of that was because just, you know, there wasn't a lot of opportunity. I grew up in deep rural Alabama. Uh, my granddad was a former. Uh, my dad and my, and my mom, you know, constantly worked. So it wasn't a lot of opportunities, like – Who's going to pick me up in practice or who's going to, you know, pay for the uniform, all that type of stuff. So I didn't play organized football until uh, I got to uh, right between my eighth grade year and going into high school. You told me once that they were actually looking at some other kid 
but you just like you had one of those games and they're like left with you basically could you could you t- share that story yeah that was my recruit story and basically you know i got recruited on accident <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they went to the wrong high school because at the time in the state of alabama there were three uh major schools named central high school uh but these the three of them were in different parts of the, of the state and they ended up going to my high school uh, on accident when they were supposed to go to uh it was a school called Central Tuscaloosa, which was right by the University of Alabama. They went to the Central that was in Coosa County, which is where I went to school. They, I guess they sat and watched me play or watched our team play, knowing that, you know, by the time they got to where they were supposed to get to, um, they, the game would have been over anyway. So they just sat down and watched football. And, you know, I had like 24 tackles and like, you know, three touchdowns or something like that. And some more stuff. And, you know, they, they, came, they came into my coach's office and basically they started recruiting me then. And, yeah, I ended up going to Notre Dame because uh, I tell people all the time I ended up going to Notre Dame because I got recruited on accident. Coming to Notre Dame, though, so that's big league. That's a huge traditional uh, college, you know, huge football school. How was that? Obviously, growing up in Alabama, I had never seen snow um, other than on TV. Uh, but also just, it wasn't a lot of people who looked like me that had the experiences that I had, right? Growing up underserved communities, um, that, that's, that's, that's not necessarily the norm of the Notre Dame student. But I had a great time there. I, I made, I made so many friends and so many relationships that have, have stood the test of time since I graduated up until now. And it, it was a place that really forced me to grow up, um, because I didn't have mom, dad, uncle, sister, Cousin, friend, acquaintance within like you know, you know, uh, within my close proximity. Sure. For me, Notre Dame was the perfect place, um, considering all the things that I wanted to accomplish. One, if football didn't work out, but also if football worked out, and once football was over, you know, Notre Dame put me in a position to be, um, you know, well educated and prepared for those moments whenever they, whenever they was going to wow. take place. And Justin, one of the things with you, like I think sports, right? I think we're in an era, and you were part of that era, that I'm not sure if it ever will happen because it's not just in football, right? If we think about soccer, it's the Ronaldo-Messi era. I don't know if it ever happened. Think about tennis. You have Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer. And then, of course, your sport, American football, you were in the middle of the Tom Brady era and like, <laughs> just incredible sort of athletes like there will always be great athletes but just this like sort of like true force of dominance so but you you guys beat him twice or the team twice right so you came to new york you guys had a you know amazing team but were you expected the first year you won the super bowl was that we did you guys believe of course you believe but just tell me a little bit about that year leading up how was it and and then finally at the super bowl yeah, I think, you know, the teams that I get really, really excited about uh, in, these, in these playoffs and uh, just in the season in general are teams that truly have a story of, you know, hardship or volatil- volatility or, you know, just going through some some darker times in the season and those people who have found a way to right the ship and be playing their best, you know, sport, you know, whatever, basketball, football, baseball, whatever sport it is, right? If you've had a team that's kind of been down in the dumps early in the year yes. and, found, and found their way to get to a point of like playing their best ball at the right time, 
those are those are the kind of storylines I always look for. Um, and we were, you know, I mean, I think that 2007, 2018 uh, for New York Giants was a prime example of that. I think we started the season out 0-2. We gave up 80 points on defense. We looked absolutely terrible. And then from there, something clicked. I just think, like, we started to get our chemistry. We started to just believe in each other. We started to believe in the coaching staff and, and what they were trying to do. And just started playing a little bit more freely, a little bit more uh, in sync. And don't get me wrong, you know, we, we I think we won six games in a row from there. And then we had a couple of lulls in, in, in the later in the season. We won a few more games. And then we ended up playing New England the last game of the year. And we really wasn't really, I mean, we were all, you try to win every game, right? But the circumstances that around that game was they were already in the playoffs and I'm going to see. Yeah. We, were, we were already in the playoffs. We knew we couldn't improve our seed. We couldn't make it any worse. So you go in that game in a lot of ways in the back of your head saying like, man, Let's not get hurt. Let's focus. Let's focus on the team that we know we're going to play in the playoffs, which happened to be Tampa. So we didn't really, really focus as hard on moving as we would have in general. But we did focus on it though because we didn't want to disrespect the game and go out there and just let them just run shot with us 100%. Because also we had a chance to stop them from being the second team ever in the history of football, uh, being undefeated. They had a chance to go 16-0. And we played them well. They obviously made some plays in the fourth quarter to win that game and go 16-0. But that I think by that time, we had already kind of started shifting our focus to the playoff run. And when you get in the playoffs and you're a team that's hot, it doesn't really matter what has happened. It's a new season. So we we out, we obviously you know got the opportunity to win in Tampa, win in uh, Dallas, win in Green Bay, um, which all three of those teams are really good teams. But we were just playing better. Like if you, I think I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. You put us up against Dallas and Green Bay again. We probably don't beat them again, but that night because we were that yeah. that team that was playing the best, we won those games. Wow. And then you fast forward to the Super Bowl. Obviously, you got Green I mean, uh, England again. They're 18 No one is giving us any chance of winning the game. And we just it just allowed us to focus on us. All the distractions around the Super Bowl really didn't come our way because no one wanted to really, really talk about us. Even when we was getting interviewed, they wanted to talk about the Patriots. So it just allowed us to be super focused on us and playing our game. And you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have to say this and sound like I'm bragging at all, but honestly the difference maker in that game was our O line, our D line versus their O line. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. the matchup that we all went into the game thinking like we had we could control we that can matchup. Yeah. We can win that matchup. And I've never seen a quarterback throw a touchdown on his back. So that was mm-hmm. our focus. Get yeah. to Tom, make Tom's life night, you know, um, very difficult with our pass rush, with our front four. And we was able to accomplish that. I, I think that was a difference. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. 
Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Amazing. I want to ask you a little bit about that lead up week because it's two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl mm. and you know I didn't grow up with football but I love these the weeks coming up because it's what the NFL has done such a great job of it it's really making it bigger than just the game right it, it yeah. really includes everybody in America in one way or other right whether it's entertainment whatever it is right so you're a kid from Alabama <laughs> now you're at the biggest dance in the world basically right uh, who came out? How many tickets? What was up with the family? Because it's like, no, I'm not giving out. Yeah. Give yeah. me a little bit about the backstories. <laughs> well, luckily, you know, we played for an organization uh, in the New York Giants that had been a part of Super Bowl before. Mm-hmm. They had, well, they have a great staff of people to kind of, in a lot of ways, make our job a lot easier. So a lot of that was taken care of the first week. So yeah. when we got out to Arizona, we didn't have any issues around there. The hotels, um, the the tickets, uh, the, the the jerseys that they wanted to buy with our name, yeah. all that all that stuff was kind of taken care of. I would say it was taken care of in like four days. And the only reason why it took four days is because we had to figure out all right on our end who was coming. Once we figured out who was coming from our our families, then that that process was pretty seamless. Uh, I had 17 family members at the game. <laughs> Uh, instead of going the hotel route, I just or I just rented a, a huge house for them. We all stayed yeah. under one roof. So then, when when we when we when transportation was easier because it was coming from one central perspective, uh, central location, I would send like buses over there and they go where they want to go instead of being in like four different places and all that stuff. Yeah. So from that perspective, it was it was it was good. And plus, I just knew, like, if you had all your family in one roof, they would leave me alone because they had so much stuff to do themselves. Yes. So it wasn't like they were looking for me to come do something with them. No, it allowed me to stay at the team hotel, practice, watch film, yeah. do what I had to do. Do what you got to um, do. Yeah. 
But yeah, that, that, the two weeks of it is interesting because the first week you, you're coming off, we're coming off playing Green Bay and we're celebrating a little bit. But it's hard to like switch your focus directly on the Super Bowl week mm-hmm. because it's two weeks away. So that first week is kind of like getting your body back in shape, I mean, back in, you know, tuned up and so on and so forth. It's almost like a bye week where you get like the opportunity mm-hmm. to kind of go out and hang out a little bit more and enjoy New York City. New York City was buzzing, so on and so forth. Of course, the whole city. So, yeah. So we did all that and so on and so forth and got it out of our systems. So that when we went out to Arizona, people, we didn't go out. We didn't go to no clubs. We didn't go out to yeah. dinner. We didn't do nothing. Everything at that point was a business trip. So I think that 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 two weeks for us, we, we utilized it really, really well. We got our bodies healthy. We got our mind back rejuvenated. And that, I mean, that's not hard. You know, playing the Super Bowl, if your mind is not right, something's wrong with you. It's pretty easy to get your mind right to play the Super Bowl. Uh, but yeah, that, that two weeks was that was that was, that's what it was. And but once we stepped foot in Arizona, everything just switched on to this is a business trip. I mean, we went out there in black suits because we said to us, this is the end of a dynasty. Okay. Now, we 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 thought we killed the Patriots dynasty. Obviously, history shows that they rebounded. <laughs> they rebounded and keep and kept going. But at least we wounded them very badly. Yes, um, yes. That, I'm with that, you this night. But like, no, it was, we didn't kill the dynasty. We just yeah. kind of slowed it. We slowed it. We paused the dynasty. Yeah, uh, for did. a little bit. So, and you gave for people who don't, you know, it's going to go out to a lot of people who's not in America, but like. When the Super Bowl week, when, when your team goes in, I mean, the city is in a different flow, especially in New York when it's like cold winter. Yeah. And when, you, when the Giants go to the Super Bowl, the whole, it, it's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to explain, but the whole city feels alive in a completely different way mm-hmm. when we need that shot in the arm. So it's, it's uh, yeah. and it's something we hold on to. It's been a while now, but we, we still talk about it. Do you know what I well, mean? Well, listen, I, I mean, I'm, I'm probably the worst one to ask that question because people ask me like, oh man, you still remember the Super Bowl? You want to talk about the Super Bowl? I say no. And I was like, well, and I was like why? And I'm like, because that was, that was 10 years, that was 15 years ago, whatever how long it's been. Like, no, I want to talk about the Giants win the Super Bowl now. Let's, Let's get the Giants back to to that. So we're talking about new stuff, right? Because I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I am very thankful for winning a couple of Super Bowls in my time as a New York Giant. But I want to see these new guys be able to feel that and get to that point and, and revive this city. I feel like now I'm like, you know, Giants fans are like Knicks fans. We're tired of like the build up to like this is going to be different. This is going to be different. No, no, we want to win this thing. And do New York, and, I, and now that I'm a fan, I want to feel what you guys felt in Super Bowl runs. You know what I'm saying? I want to be the guy running out of the bar in downtown New York, you know, celebrating <laughs> the streets when uh when our team wins. So. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking a little bit about sort of transition and stuff. I mean, when you played the entertainment of it all, and people from football going into different things, right? So. Michael Strand has obviously done an amazing job sort of jumping from being an athlete into media. Mm-hmm. And now you have things like I'm Athlete. You have all these different sort of spinoffs of, you know, really reporting in a way. Um, but you choose, you really went back to school, got your MBA at an Ivy League school at Wharton, and just like after playing for Oakland, just like, like you know what, I'm going to go and get my MBA. 
Where did that idea, where did that mindset come from? Because that now you're truly going into the business world in a very different way. Is it a path here of becoming an owner? What's the end goal? Where are we going? You know, I, I have always said to myself, man, live in the moment. And, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, I got a lot of different um, things that I want to accomplish, but that's not to be substituted for what's happening now. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's all about, it's all about, you know, I, I, when I retired from football, I had made all these relationships in New York City and in Silicon Valley with some of the titans of business in all different sectors. And I constantly, constantly thought like I could do what they do or, you know, I could learn to do what they do. Maybe not in the capacity in which they do sure. it because like, yeah, these are titans, guys who have been 30, 40 years in the, in the business and, and reaping the rewards of all of that, all of that work. But I just felt like with the Rolodex in which I, I created and held, had friends, acquaintances, you know, business partners, whatever you want to name it, um, I just didn't want to ride off in the sunset and, and go retire. Well, you know, that looked that looked good for a couple of weeks with me and my wife and our kids. Uh, but I just was itching to do something different. But I didn't know what that was. And that's what kind of led me to go get my MBA at Warden. I knew that I would get exposed to so many different things, not only from you know, just, you know, the, the education and the, 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 the business opportunity, but also from uh, from people, from the people that I get to meet. Because sure. a lot of my friends and, and, and business acquaintances were people, like I said, they've been in the business for 30 years. I had a lot on like the 50-year-old the and older, but really didn't have any relationships with all the new age people coming into businesses, right? The 25-year-old sure. startup crowd, the VC crowd. I didn't, that, that for me was a blind spot. So I, I thought I was pretty, you know, strategic around why I went to Warden. And then when I got down there, I again, got exposed to so many different things that my mind was going, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this, I want to do that. And honestly, the reason why I went to Goldman and, and, I, and I work in capacity in Goldman, which I do now, is because I just got so tired. You sit up at night and you think about things of uh, what happened and why you're doing this and whatever. I started thinking about a lot of my friends who had made a lot of money at an early age. When you think about athletes in general, we all are 20, 21, 22 years old when we, when we you know, signed our first big deal, whether that be in the NBA, uh, NFL, MLB, soccer, whatever it may be. You know, I had no clue what I was doing with money at 20, yeah. 21. So I, I was, I was, I mean, if there was a shark in the water, I was a wounded seal when it comes to that regard, right? And I've seen a lot of people make a lot of mistakes with their money. Uh, and for me, I just felt like, all right, if I'm getting all this education, why not be a person that could be more representational around having someone like me who understands sports, who understands the crime and so on and so forth that. But also understand finance can be a, a, a helping hand in that space for a lot of guys who, who would need need someone who will take care of them in that regard. So that's amazing. Well, I mean, you're also underselling yourself a little bit, right? You got to talk about. For me, it's like also, you operate. You're very stubborn and you're very hardworking because this you're at the highest level, right? You know, NFL at the highest level. You know, Wharton, like, there's seven Ivy League schools in America. They're very difficult to get into. <laughs> Wharton is one of them, right? Yeah. So you're there. You're, and now you're one of the presidents at Goldman Sachs, which is probably the biggest known bank in, in America, one of the biggest in the world, right? So 
there is a level of black excellence and just being excellence that you're going for and you're pushing through and you know how to navigate in the elevator, right? You can you can talk. I've seen you around many, many people. You can say hi to my cooks. You can talk to the CEO because you 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 met and socially been around a lot of different people. And I think that's one of the luxury of coming from the type of family that you're coming from, from pretty humble beginning, but hardworking beginning. And always figuring out a way, okay, you know, JT's going to fit, you know, you, you, yeah. you know you're you going to figure out where, where do I belong in, the, in this, you know what I mean? Well, somebody said to me, like, Justin, you're a chameleon. And I've always thought of, I always thought of that as like, are you trying to say like, I'm, I'm a, like a fake? No. <laughs> like, and I know, I know, but like, that's the first thing you think about, like, oh, you can, you can blend in any crowd. Like, but like, now that I, think about that more in depthly. I think it, it boils down to curiosity, mm. right? I think it boils down to the fact that like, okay, I see this real estate guy and he, you know, he's doing really great things in that space. Tell me more. How did you get there? Mm-hmm. And, uh, how, what was your mother? What was your mistakes? Because everyone talks about, they see all these people, you know, Fortune 500 company CEOs or billionaires or whatever your metrics, you know, LeBron, Tom Brady, everyone sees all these success stories. Yeah. They never they never ask them about these stumbling blocks along the way that helps you get to the point of like being a successful person. Like I've never seen anybody, uh, you know, if you're a basketball player, I guarantee you Steph Curry has missed some shots. Michael Jordan, <laughs> Mike, Michael Jordan has missed some shots. Yeah. You know, Tom yeah. Brady has thrown interceptions. All these, so my my question to all these business people are like, tell me your biggest mistake or your 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 your, your best learning around what you're doing now. Don't, don't tell me about you know the real estate guy. Don't tell me about you bought this building for ten dollars and sold it for ten billion yeah. five years. I don't want to hear about that. I yeah. want to hear about the one where you didn't pull the trigger on something because mm-hmm. whatever reason was, and, and that was a big mistake because now that building is worth 10x. So what's, you know, those are the stories I like to hear because I, you know, I've always been a person around this. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. So if I believe that. And I also believe the fact that like, why should I be trying to reinvent the wheel? Mm-hmm. Like if I wanted to be, if I wanted to be a cook, sure. Marcus, the yeah. first person I would call is I'm going to call Marcus. Yeah. Instead of going on my own and like going into a kitchen and just wasting yeah. ingredients by making all these mistakes. Now there is something to that, but like if I can find out, you know, some stumbling blocks to avoid by talking to someone like you, then it makes my process a little bit easier. And that's just how I always approach those. Wonderful. I want to ask you two more football questions and then a little bit about food. Sure. So so the reason why I say is the end game to be an owner, because I actually feel like NFL needs you. Yeah. Right? Because it's this thing that operates so different than everything else. And it's also this thing that can have the highest rating. It's ultra American. It's what's good about America. It's what's ugly about America and what's wrong about America. It's all in there, right? Mm-hmm. It's all in there. And yet it has the highest rating. So you can't, but it still screams for change, right? Colin Kaepernick what he's been doing, you know, there's no very, very few, there's no black ownership in mm-hmm. NFL. And one NFL co- head coach. Head coach. So that I wanted to ask you about this. Sure. So talk to me a little bit about the whole Brian Flores and the whole situation, right? Like that for me just screams boys club. It's never set up for a black 
head coach to even get the job? And what what's going on? 2022, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, like, and you 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 you're pretty much asking me about the team that gave me the shot, at, you know, in 2005, yeah. New York Giants. Yeah. You know, and I have a lot of respect for Mr. Mara, Mr. Tish, that whole organization. But this is kind of completely wrong in my opinion. And I'm, I'm speaking from a perspective of not understanding everything that went on. I get it, but. Optically, this was something that was eye-opening, something that was frustrating, you know, was more gas on the frustration of what you just spoke about, yeah. right? And I just feel like the NFL has an opportunity here. They really have an opportunity. They've, they've not did things as well as they should have done when opportunities like this struck, where you, you brought up Kaepernick and so on and so forth. This is an opportunity for the NFL to get it right. And I don't necessarily know what that looks like. I'm working with a lot of people, honestly, behind the scenes to just truly be able to be additive in this space when I talk to owners, when I talk to Roger Dale, when I talk to whoever else. And um, hopefully we can find a way to really, really write the ship here because you're right, there is a lot of fluff around things that we kind of put into place that really don't have any impact on on continuing to grow the representation of black and brown people in the league that we have pretty much put on our backs. If you think about the number of athletes in the NFL, 70% of them identify as black. You think about the number of ownership members in, in, in the league, zero. Coaches in the league, one. One. Um, so there's a lot of different things around us, right? And not only from just representation, but also wealth creation. Think about how, how much, how many vendors are in the stadium, right? Think about that. And how many of those are black? Yeah. Think about, think about, uh, I'd, I'd give Marcus Samuelson a plug right now. Mm -hmm. Think about if the Giants came to Mark and said, like, we want to have a creative event for our suite owners yeah. where you come in, you bring your friends and every Sunday we're doing something that yeah. highlights black culture or, yeah. you know, um, all different things. There's so many sure. different ways. There's so many different ways for the conglomerate of the NFL to say if they're really, really about the promotion of underserved communities, there's so many different ways for them to, to showcase that, to, to be added in there. And it's not just uh, more NFL coaches, even though we want more NFL coaches. Yeah. It's not just NFL ownership. Although we do believe that there should be more, there's so many different ways to be to do to do the right thing here. So yeah, um, I hope we figure it out. I hope the NFL figures it out because I, I just feel like there is a complete void there that they're missing out on. And everything, I don't care who you are, everything has to make commercial sense. And uh, again, I think there's an opportunity there if they do it right to, to be an explosion in that, in that regard. No, but we poke only on things that we care about. So that's my whole point. Like, I think someone like yourself should be an owner uh, with yeah. someone like the Tish family because because you have so much to offer. And I I, yeah. I work so much with the Tish family. I adore the Tish family. They've done a lot for New York City. 100%. Continue to do. So that's not you. We only comment on stuff that we care about. Right. And, you know, something if this would have been a touchdown call, 
NFL would have gotten it right, right? <laughs> One of the things that they are so good with, which as a soccer fan, I always refer to the NFL in terms of technology, in terms of getting it right. They're, they just invented VAR in soccer right now, which is a, literally a ripoff of, of NFL, uh, NFL, right? It's because how can we get the decisions right? So every time it's about decision-making on the field, NFL is always ahead of any other sport, right? Mm -hmm. You think about entertainment values, right? Like the highest, best, the Super Bowl of halftime, of course it's produced, there's no production that matches that. So when it wants to get it right, yeah. it gets it right. And then some, some things are just like, everything doesn't have to be so difficult to solve. You know, the fact that it's as simple as sending John Elway um, uh, maybe a alarm clock so you can show up on time, for example, right? That's not acceptable, you know what yeah, I mean? Especially, yeah, uh, like, you sitting yeah. there with the ultimate privilege, right? And you showing up late and hungover. I mean, try that at yeah. Goldman, for example. It would work for, like, half a day, and then, then it wouldn't work more, right? Nah, so, so for nah. me, certain things are, like, really hard, and you can bridge and talk about. And certain things, it's just, as a human and as a former yeah. player, you know what it's like. That's but I'll say this. I'll say this, right? At the end of the day, right? these owners should be able to pick who they want as their head coach. That's anything, right? Yep. You should you should be able to pick yep. who you want in your restaurants to, to yep. cook your food. One hundred percent. That is that that's so that's passed that out the way. So people yep. out there with that that narrative can get that out the way. Yes, the owners should be able to pick who they want. And I talked with a few owners about this and like I preface it by like what is wrong with the Rudy rule? Right? I because mm. there is something wrong with it. I, and like I'm not this, I'm not one of these guys that's arrogant enough to know, like, oh, I know what's wrong with it. No, I'm asking people who are in it every day. And one owner said to me, he goes, listen, it's it's the Rudy Rook is something like this. I remember saying, and I'm not gonna tell you the years because people will figure out who he is or whatever. Yeah. But like he said, I remember a time we were going through a head coaching search, and we already kind of knew who we wanted, our top guy. Um and we interviewed him and he, he impressed. And he was our first interview. And he was like, this is our guy. And he said to me, but we still had to do our due diligence on other coaches. We still had to go through the process. Even though we, we already kind of made up our mind that this is our guy, we still had to go through the process and treat it with respect from the perspective of the Rooney Rule. So we brought in another coach. We brought in another coach. We brought in a black coach. We brought in a black coach. We went through the process. And he said to me, he said, the reason why you have to do it that way what if our number one candidate that we thought we wanted said, you know what, I love the offer, but I'm going to stay where I'm at, or I'm going to go take another offer. If we had went through the process and just showed up late, showed up drunk when we were looking at these other candidates, mm -hmm. now we're in a bag of like, where do we go now? So when you, do, when you go about it the right way and do things the right way, even if you come into this thing and saying like, okay, I have our favorite person. So use the Giants as an example. They... They, they hired a GM from Buffalo, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously, you would think to yourself that number one candidate is the guy that he's worked with in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And that, that's the guy they ended up hiring. But if they did this the right way, yeah, then you still bring in Brian Flores and you give him that respect, you give him that time. And I'm not saying they, they didn't because I wasn't there. I'm, everything right now is he, he said, she said. There's obviously some, 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 some evidence to say that mm, Brian Flores is telling the, the guys on his truth. I'm not, I'm not a judge, I'm not a jury. That's not my case here. But what I'm saying is, is if you do things the right way, what if what if Brian uh you know uh, uh would have said, you know what, the Giants organization is great, 
love the opportunity to, to, to coach there, but you know what? I got some unfinished business to take care of in Buffalo. We didn't win a championship yet. I want to do that. Now where are you? Mm-hmm. Because now you you did this half-assed opportunity, I mean half-assed interviews with other coaches because you've already made up your mind this is our right guy. So that's that's the only thing I'm saying. Like from the Rooney rule, it's not perfect, but if did right, it would still serve yeah. the purpose of of what I think it was meant for. But but you know what I don't agree with you there is that actually True. happens on every position in the team. As a, you know, there's always going to be heat and competition about getting the best uh, yeah. on every yeah. position. And there's going to be, guess what? The best coaches and the best players, as you know, you're going to have two or three different offers. So, it, it may, you know, for me, it's like the numbers actually shows that NFL has a huge room to improve. You compare it to basketball, you compare it to other sports, right? And that's all you want to see. You want to see a fair sort of commitment to, hey, guys, we we got to improve here. This is embarrassing at 2022. Do you no, know I, I, mean? I, and, I agree with her. And, and that's why someone like you are so important because you are also proven actually in the business. Of course, you're proven in the in the game itself from every level. But now really sitting on these both sides, it's really important because it's really about how do you move that needle forward so the next gen has, has, has a better opportunity. Because in terms of entertainment, right, you know, it shows it every game in the playoff. You can't beat it as entertainment. It's incredible, yeah. right? It's it's really incredible, you know. And, and Marcus, I agree with you. I, I always say that I've just chosen to skin the, or try to skin the cat another way. Yeah. Like what I what I want to be, what I want to say. I have the Tish family, Mary Ferris, coming in and say, Justin, we want you to come in and be a part of ownership and help us rethink how we're doing things and give us a different lens to things. Hell yeah. It will happen. I can I can't guarantee you, but I know that the more and more of these stories that are out there, actually it's it's horrible when it happens, but actually it will, I believe, really move the league forward, right? And yeah. the fact that people like yourself and and you know much better than me who these other incredible former athletes or current athletes can push it and you have to have an inside-out approach. You know, everything doesn't have to be li- loud in the open. A lot of stuff's going to be done behind the scenes, and that's probably where you're going to be doing just as much as uh, uh, progress. You know, agree, agree, one hundred percent. I have I have two more questions before we got to let go. As an athlete, what were you eating, and have that changed since? Obviously, you're not burning as much as calories anymore, but you are still fit. Yeah. It looked like you could still play. Has your diet changed? Let's get to see it. Yeah, when you were playing, when we were playing, man, it was, I mean, honestly, you could eat anything you wanted to, to be honest with you, especially for someone who has genetics like I do have, the mm-hmm. physique that like I had, play the position that I played, right? I mean, my, my job was basically 24-7 working out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I would, I would never say that, like, my diet was the best. I was thoughtful around what I ate, but it wasn't like I didn't have, you know, a couple of cookies at night or some ice cream and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I indulge in that regard. Um, and it's the hard part of why you see a lot of athletes struggle when they retire. You see some guys, it's, it's, we are like the poster child for extremes. I got friends that were 350 pounds, and now they're, now they're like 200 pounds. And I got guys who was 200 pounds, and now they're like, you know, a walking Pillsbury Doughboy, right? They're just huge now. And it's like, 
it's hard to kind of get out of your comfort level, your norms. If your norms is to eat, you know, 12,000 calories a day, whatever the number yeah. may be, once you start working out, the hard part is to stop eating 12,000 calories yeah. a day because you've gotten away with it for so many years because you're, you're, you're regimented to work out and all these different things. So for me, I mean, yeah, it took, a, it's, it, I, I'm obviously still not perfect, but it took a little time for me to get back to some sense of regimented uh, workout, regimented around what I eat. Uh, because now I'm working a, you know, it's not a nine to five. My job is like a, yeah. six, a six to to nine. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so you don't get the same time frame to go work out. You don't get the same time to be thoughtful around shopping and, and doing the right things around what you're eating, what you're putting in your body. A lot of times I'm running in and out of meetings and you grab a coffee and a donut or you yeah. grab, you know, a Diet Coke and, and, and a bag of chips. And you don't even think about it in the moment because your brain is saying, okay, I just had this client meeting, I'm going to this client meeting, or I got to go meet with this CEO, or I got to go meet with, you know, this C-suite executive, so on and so forth. So you don't really have the time to be thoughtful about When I played football, that was a part of my life. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I think for me, man, it's all about just in moderation, trying to eat smaller dishes, smaller dishes mm-hmm. multiple times a day to keep my metabolism up because I'm not running and lifting as much as I used to. Will Colin ever play? And honestly, honestly, I haven't had a discussion with Colin. Um, I haven't talked to him lately. But I don't know if he wants to play anymore either. So, yeah, so I, you know, obviously constantly wish that guy well. And he, I think he's doing a lot of things in the platform that he has to change. Yeah. I mean, he will always be my MVP because of, you know, again, I look at this very differently. I look at what do people talk about football outside America. And, you know, he's, he's really reinforced change in a lot of sports. Like, for example, they take a knee in the Premier League before every game against racism. Yeah. It changes the conversation and the dialogue around, you know, and trust me, England has the same issues in terms of how many athletes are black in the league yeah. and how many coaches and ownership. So it's not saying one is better than the other. But, but Colin did create that echo effect all over the world that is actually bigger than Tom Brady in many ways. Like not from a winning point of view, but sure. actually speaking about issues. And I just think that that's incredible. Well, this is what I said. And like, my fear is that people think that the hard part was taking the knee. That's the easy part. It's easy for you to walk out there and take a knee. And I see people only taking the knee. Right, they feel like they've done their job because they 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 took a knee in the anthem. That's really not moving the needle. What you, what I've seen for people who truly move the needle is not only do they take a the knee, they're also going to their communities and being represent, more representation around a lot of different factors that we struggle with in the black community. Right, using their platform for that. That's the real you know reason why people like Colin and others who've taken up that mountain are your MVPs because. They've put their money, they've put their platform, they've put their lives, they've put their whatever, right? You know, Malcolm X or Muhammad Ali or Martin Luther King, all these people are not, their legacy won't live on because, okay, they 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 put their fist in the air or, you know, whatever it means. No, their actions is what we will remember. So... You know, yes, I'm glad that a lot of people around the world, athletes, others, they protest, they, they they take a knee. But what are we doing in our communities? Every day, everyday things, what are we doing to truly move that needle? Regardless of this is a black and white thing or not, 
you know, people in general, yeah, exactly. People in general, you know, if you see injustices, then you should be the first person to start thinking about how can I be additive in changing this? Might be something small, <laughs> but think about it, right? Think about one million small acts and the impact that can have on whatever it is that we're talking about that's going to help move the needle. So that's what I hope people are curious about. Mm-hmm. Uh- we're going to let you go. I want to say thank you so much. Uh, I'm so excited for everything that has happened for you. But I, when, I, when I hear your name and, and, and I see you around, I always know, like, you know, he's always worked hard. He's always going mm-hmm. <laughs> to strive for excellence. I'm not surprised that I'm just really, really happy for you. And, thank you. Uh, when you do become an owner of the Giants, <laughs> can you invite me to one of those home games? Because I, I, I just like to sit sit up there with you. Well, listen, um, you're invited to any home game you want to go. And, yeah. And, and, and now, right now. You know, okay, so, thank you. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, all best to you and your fam. If you didn't know it also, Justin, because he's just, there's no, you know, he's a... Um, He's always striving for things. But one of the things that me and my son, Zion, loves the most is reading your children's book, you know, which we, when we, which my favorite part of the book is when your sisters rolled you down the hill. Yeah. That was probably my, my favorite part. It's like, yeah. they did what? Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> People don't understand why I played football for a living. It's because <laughs> I, I have five sisters that beat me up constantly. And but, cut your hair. Oh yeah, they like cut that. my hair. Yeah, and they were not really, really good with scissors, so that haircut really uh, <laughs> didn't turn out well. <laughs> See, there you go, there you go. All right, I'm still wondering who that 18th family member was that did not get invited to Arizona. Get yeah, but anyway, that's that's for round two. I appreciate you so much, and uh, thank you for everything you've done and you keep doing. And we'll talk soon, brother. All right, peace. Marcus, always a pleasure, bro. Thank you. Thank you. So to all the listeners, what were your thoughts about this interview? Hit us up on This Moment Podcast on Instagram and This Moment Podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. And if you guys think about any topic we should talk about, Jason and I should bring up, please let us know. We'll definitely get to it. Uh, if not the following weeks, maybe a couple of weeks, episodes later, because we want to hear what's on your mind. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.